0: Good evening, all, to the 70th session of the weekly huddle. Uh, I feel happy saying 70th. We have been doing it for the past uh, 70 weeks, so that's pretty good. I'm your host, Anup, and joining me today is my friend and co-host, Pranith. We are cardiologists working at Care Hospital Banjara Hills. The huddle is an unscripted audience-level interaction addressing common clinical scenarios that we encounter in our daily clinical practice. We typically pick up a topic and or a clinical case and restrict our discussion around that. The basic premise of the huddle is to bring our casual hallway discussions to a more organized platforms like this one and share our ideas. While science and guidelines are welcome, with the huddle we intend to help a physician translate established knowledge to clinical practice, taking local factors and practice patterns into account. This is not a speaker and audience model, rather a casual interaction which means any of the attendees can raise their hand or unmute themselves to give their input. As a courtesy, may I request for you to wait for others to finish their thoughts before you unmute yourself. At at times we uh, pick up a clinical case and uh, most of the discussion is around uh, the decision-making and also a little bit of scientific data behind it. Once a while, we do pick up topics which otherwise seems quite obvious, but they have got direct relation in how we practice uh, cardiology. Today's topic is one such where uh, the topic is absolutely very basic, but it has got direct relevance to what we are doing. And uh, it's interesting for me to observe that sometimes some of these topics are so basic that uh, we even hesitate to ask questions around even when we really don't have a very clear answer of what we are dealing with, just because we realize it is too simple for somebody not to know. So Huddle is one of that platform where you can uh, share uh, what you don't know or what are unknowns for you or things for which you have less clarification uh, without any apprehension, without any remand as to speak. So having said that, I will start my clinical case today. And uh, as a customary, I always ask uh, my colleague Praneet to give his initial impression. And then we will ask uh, our attendees what uh, their impression for today's discussion is. And then we are also having a special guest for our uh, session. We have Dr. Bhanu Prakash with us. He's a professor of pharmacology at RIMS Adilabad. And he will also be helping us with our discussion that we are planning to have today, because most of the discussion that I'm aiming to focus on relates to one particular medicine or one particular molecule. So this is the case. 56 year old male is non-diabetic. He was seen in my OPD a month ago for crescendo angina, which had been going on worsening for the past three weeks. Five years back, he had a similar anginal symptoms. At that time, he underwent an angiogram done at outside hospital. I don't have the details of that. And in his uh, one of his uh, um, medical prescription, it was written as quote unquote moderate coronary artery disease, for which he had been on antianginals, statins, and dual antiplatelets since then, which he had been maintaining quite well, until recently where he started having this angina again. So because of new onset angina, I took him back for angiogram in the cath lab, which revealed significant branch vessel disease. He had got a tight osteal second diagonal, and he had got a mid ramus, both were critically stenosed, I would say about 80, 90%. And they both were small vessels, which I decided to go for medical management. And my idea was that if he fails medical management, then I can bring him for a ramus stenting or something I really didn't want to do because they were small vessels supplying a small territory. Uh, rest of the workup for him was normal, particularly blood work, echocardiogram and all these were normal. So he was discharged on his routine, statin, dole antiplatelet, beta blocker. He was on Cilnidipil and nicorandil. The three medications that I added for his angina was trimetazidine, renolazine, and sorbitrate long-acting form. And I'm gonna use these brand names because we have to talk about these brands. That That is the whole premise of today's discussion where we want to make ourselves comfortable with all these various brands and their formulations and their milligrams and whatnot. So I prescribed him GTN uh, GT and sorbitrate which is a standard long acting drug that comes as a 2.6 milligrams twice daily. And I told him to, to take it at eight o'clock in the morning and six o'clock in the evening. So he came for a follow-up one month after his angiogram and he says, I continue to have angina although it is decreased from previous. It is not drastically symptom limiting but certainly it interferes with his desire to walk more or do more exercise. His blood pressure in the OPD was uh, systolic pressure 130 over diastolic 82 and heart rate was 64. Echocardiogram done previously was normal. It was not reported. Uh, it was not repeated and all other reversible parameters were checked. They were all found to be okay. So I decided to increase his nitrate dose. So this is the background and I hope we are going to continue our discussion from this point onwards. So we, I, I decided to increase the nitrate dose. The question here is how? One option is I can just go GTN sorbitrate, the second dosing option, which is 6.4 milligrams twice daily, or change it to the old school sorbitrate, which comes as five and 10 milligrams. So I can give him like a five milligrams or a 10 milligram dosing. Although truly speaking, I do not know how this 2.6 milligram of GTN sorbitrate equates to five or 10 milligrams of sorbitrate. I really have no idea how these two correlate. I can change to monotrate formulation, which comes as 10, 20, 30 milligram tablets, or I can change it to something like an imder combination formulation, which comes as 30, 60, 90 milligram tablets. And again, why are all these dosing uh, ranges that hopefully we will get our clarification as we go today. And is there any other thought that my attendees might think of in terms of how else we can modify his nitrate regimen to reduce his angina burden? Then the other question which I have for discussion is, what should be the ideal frequency of nitrate up titration? We know that for beta blocker, we always wait for two, three weeks before we increase uh, and similar uh, titration algorithms are there for ACE inhibitors and whatnot. Do we have kind of a titration frequency for nitrates? Uh, What should be the ideal duration of nitrate therapy if patient remains angina-free? So once your patient's angina is resolved, How long do you still continue them on nitrate before you say that, okay, now you don't need nitrates because you have been angina-free. And then lastly, dosing timing, because we all have been taught in our MBBS that nitrates cause tachyphylaxis. So I would like to know from the clinicians in terms of, do you really see tachyphylaxis in your life, uh, in your clinical practice? Is it something which is more of a pharmacological hypothesis but in clinical practice, it doesn't happen? Or do you really see tachyphylaxis being one of the major problems? which which reduces the drug efficacy over the period of time. So a lot of discussion around the drug per se, and Praneet, let me have your impression on this. Then I will ask some of my other attendees about how they they think about this nitrate drug. This is going to be kind of a pharmacology discussion, and that is why we have a pharmacology expert in today's uh, discussion as well. But feel free to discuss a little bit of clinical scenario around this case as well.
1: Praneet, all yours. Yeah, good evening, Anup. Uh... So, a lot of questions which you um, asked equally are there in my mind uh, whenever I prescribe nitrate and um, a few of the basic things that I do and uh, beyond that, like when you come, uh, when you encounter a situation where patient is symptomatic, despite taking a standard dose of nitrate, uh, even I get a bit um, kind of coming to crossroads and Uh, think twice about what to do now regarding uh, this case the one thing that I always want to ensure first thing about the drug compliance which gets missed and uh, make sure that the patients are actually taking the drugs and to the extent where sometimes I ask them to bring the drugs and see whether they are actually getting the correct drug that we have um, prescribed and they are not taking something else Second thing, ensuring the compliance that they are taking properly and maintaining the timings. I I believe that uh, tachyphylaxis exists, and uh, that is where I try to highlight about the importance. Although I did not encounter um, whether patients who are taking nitrates frequently not experiencing the efficacy, uh, uh, but I believe in the concept of tachyphylaxis. So I uh, highlight about the timings and um, specifically write about the timings in the book as well Uh, this patient the first thing probably I would have uh, done in is uh, I would uh, have first increase the dose of uh, sorbitrate uh, GTN from 2.6 to 6.4 and uh, see how is he doing and uh, then if uh, he improves that's fine or the third um, or the second option would be to change the tablet from uh, that uh, GTN sorbitrate to uh, mononitrate. Mononitrate, uh, particularly the Indure, Indure which is um, a sorbitrate to mononitrate with a longer acting agent, which I believe acts for at least uh, six to eight hours. So I asked them to do that. Also, try to look, uh, look at anginal um, frequency and the timing as well like what is the anginal frequency and what are the possible timings. So, if he has more of nocturnal angina and not more during the daytime, then probably equally change the timing of the nitrate from instead of morning to uh, nighttime where his angina is um, more common. So, these are a few things which I do and regarding other uh, changes would be um, increasing his antihypertensives, trying to make a stiffer uh, targets keeping his pressure something like 100, 110 and equally heart rates close to 50, 50 to 60. So these are uh, probably few things uh, which I do and um, there are many questions which equally I have and I'd be uh, interested to know from other colleagues and equally be happy
0: pranit question for you when you have some blood pressure room to increase your antianginals and when you decide to touch upon nitrates as your uh, drug adjustment at that time mm. do you do you perceive that these increased dose of nitrates will also help with the blood pressure a little bit or those are independent issue and you would handle the blood pressure medication as well along with nitrates
1: um the role of uh, or the effect of nitrates on blood pressure I don't think is very much so I would try to see these two things as a separate entity nitrates as a drugs for angina and antihypertensive separate particularly beta blocker in this case separately so I would not uh, see uh, nitrates as having a significant impact on blood pressure.
0: So in this particular case, you would make two adjustments, I'm guessing. You would make a nitrate adjustment as well as a blood pressure medication adjustment. Yeah. Okay, perfect. All right, Pranit. we will continue our discussion with the rest of my attendees in terms of how they perceive uh, nitrates. And if somebody can tell me the difference between why GTN is 2.6, what is is so special about 2.6, NG span is 2.5 and uh, sorbitrate is five. And monotrate is ten, uh, and I I will add something to that. When I was in US at that time, the sublingual tablet that we used to give to our angina patients for emergencies or breakthrough pain was nitroglycerin zero point four or zero point six, which I have not seen being available in India. We give sorbitrate five milligrams to be given sublingual. So so many dosing regimens, so many difference how do we equate to, do we have any idea to understand what what dose equates to what and why are these formulations even existing? So let us us continue our discussion. Uh, We have Dr. Shinivas Raju with us. Sir, I'm sorry, I always pick you as the first because of the alphabetical order, your uh, your name comes as the top. Uh, I hope you got the case. Uh, Tell us about uh, how would you approach this patient with reference to nitrates and any other drugs? And how do you see this nitrate
2: conundrum, the dosing nitrate conundrum. Dr. Shenivas. Yes, Dr. Anup, uh, regarding the choice of nitrates for angina per se, and uh, your question was for even blood pressure in a patient uh, who is on nitrates, right? So basically nitrates act in three ways. One is uh, a venodilatation, coronary dilatation, and systemic vasodilatation. So it does have an effect on blood pressure. Like, say, someone who has a renal failure, we give a combination isolazine. It has isosorbide dinitrate, and hydralazine. So it has an antihypertensive effect. And uh, your patient is already on cylinderpin, He's on ranolazine. He's on sorbitrate. And uh, you added... Uh, what is the fourth anti? Generally, yeah, he's on a beta blocker.
0: And Nikorandil,
2: so, yeah, he's on a beta blocker. His heart rates are well under control. His uh, blood pressure is not compromised. It's still around 130, 80, and he has no other comorbid factors like uh, BPH or some other fixed obstruction where nitrates would have been uh, worrisome in terms of a higher dose. So we can still go ahead and increase the dose of nitrates if he's uh, not responding to the medication. But what is surprising is uh, for just a disease of the ramus, in spite of being on four drugs, beta blockers, nitrates, peranalysin, and adequate blood pressure control, his his angina is still uh, not subsided. Are we missing anything else? Uh, That is the question. Like, what is the hemoglobin of this patient?
0: sir so, hemoglobin last time i checked was close to 14 13.8 or so he does have a diagonal disease there is a ostial diagonal that, that that diagonal supplies a fair degree of lateral wall uh, Right. But because it's an ostial disease i decided not to do anything
2: right uh, i mean in terms of anatomy there is nothing much we can do about it right it's all a branch vessel disease and blood no. pressures are around 130 80 and heart rates are well under control. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, regarding uh, the short-acting and long-acting nitrates, which we were discussing, your uh, isosorbide mononitrate and isosorbide dinitrate are both long-acting ones. And uh, in case there is a specific activity wherein he is exerting more uh, during that particular activity, probably he can just take a nitroglycerin uh, spray Uh, instead of uh, stepping up the dose because further we would be worried about the blood pressures the spray is only short acting so if he's exerting more during that particular period of physical activity we can use a short acting nitrate like uh, nitroglycerin spray that is what i would think if it is available
0: Sir, what is your go-to drug when you are managing angina in terms of nitrate? Like, what is your go-to preparation?
2: Uh, Isosorbide dinitrate is one which I would use if it is a long-acting one, right? Uh, Because the incidence of tachyphylaxis is supposed to be less as compared to isosorbide mononitrate. But if it is during an acute episode uh, of angina, where a specific activity is triggering is angina, then even sublingual sorbitrate is one what we can use. That is isosorbide dinitrate. Again, your sorbitrate is isosorbide dinitrate. Their sublingual uh, 5mg sorbitrate is what I would suggest the patient to take.
0: And sir, is nitro spray available in India? I don't know. Is it?
2: I I haven't uh, ever prescribed or I haven't seen Any of my colleagues are are, uh, uh, seniors uh, using it. Uh, So I'm not quite sure if it is available with us, at least if it is available now, I'm not sure. Uh, It wasn't available a few years back.
0: Okay. All right, Srinivas Raju, sir. Thank you so much. We'll get back to you with more questions. We have Dr. Shankar with us. Dr. Shankar is a physician, uh, general physician who have been uh, our... A regular attendee at the huddle, sir. You got the case. Uh, particularly, we are discussing with how we how we understand nitrates and how we manage the dosing and the preparation. Your comments on today's case and uh, the topic that we are discussing.
3: Good evening to all. The when uh, the anti anginal medication uh, you have already elaborated regarding uh, nitro, nitrates, uh, beta blockers, then ranolazine. hivabridin, hivabridin also, uh, it is uh, one of the anti agents also. Uh, then uh, the risk factor reduction like uh, hypertension, the patient, if he's a smoker, he has to stop smoking and the uh, lifestyle measures If he is a diabetic, diabetes has to be controlled. Uh, Anemia, Dr. Srinivas Raju uh, alluded to that. So if it is there, it should be tackled. So coming to the the today's discussion boils down to nitrates uh, because many preparations are there in the nitrate. Uh, Really, I want to know in this discussion because... uh, transdermal patches are there, ointment is sublingual the sprays are there. sprays uh, this buccal spray uh, earlier we used uh, this this was available but now i don't know i uh, i have not prescribed recent times but uh, this was available uh, this buccal spray then uh, the transdermal patches were there, the ointment was also available uh, but uh, um, we really we prescribe uh, only sublingual nitrates uh, in uh, acute anginal uh, attack so when the patient uh, with a coronary chronic coronary syndrome very needs uh, uh, long term uh, nitrate therapy then uh, preferably i use uh, ismn uh, that isosorbide five mononitrate uh, instead of uh, this uh, dinitrate the dinitrate, uh, mostly we use as uh, sublingual uh, preparation in the short-acting one. But the, the long-acting uh, preparations, uh, um, I don't know, but uh, um, the nitrate uh, tolerance, uh, we come across uh, with the dinitrate preparations. So that's why I use uh, isosorbide 5 mononitrate uh, uh, either uh, ISMO 20 or IMDUR 30 I use. Uh, whenever I use uh, these uh, uh, long acting nitrates especially I use in uh, eccentric doses that means uh, not uh, 12 hours apart but uh, if if it is prescribed twice daily then uh, with uh, within 7 to 8 hours gap only, the second dose will be given so that uh, the patient will have at least 8 to 12 hours of nitrate-free interval. This nitrate-free interval is essential uh, to prevent uh, this nitrate tolerance. And the minimum effective dose I use and uh, uh, keep... Uh, more than 8 to 12 hours of nitrate free interval. Uh, I prefer to use uh, this isosarbid uh, mononitrate, either ISMO 20 or monotrate, uh, the MDUR 30. I use MDUR 30, I use it as a once daily, mostly, then uh, ISMO 20 as a twice daily. The GTN, uh, here the patient, uh, uh, the GTN, GTN also regularly we use. But, uh, I want to know what is the difference between uh, uh, the, all the long acting uh, nitrates. Uh, the one uh, word of uh, precaution is. Uh, We can uh, increase uh, this uh, nitrate dosage, the uh, isosorbide mononitrate, uh, even uh, uh, to the extent of two forty milligrams also per day. Uh, But only thing is, uh, uh, as uh, earlier speakers alluded to, uh, we should uh, keep watch on uh, systolic blood pressure. It should not be uh, below ninety or The baseline blood pressure here, it is uh, 130. So, it should not be brought down to uh, 100 millimeter of mercury. Uh, So, the hypotension is a danger when we increase the dosage uh, when we use the long-acting nitrates. Uh, And uh, I want to know uh, from the audience, uh, we frequently we come across headache. Uh, so when the so severe enough that we have to uh, uh, remove the drug from the armamentorium So how to tackle such patients uh, when the patient is on the law nitrate? When they come, he complains of the headache, severe headache or flushing. Uh, then uh, how to uh, proceed further uh, uh, what are the alternative uh, uh, alternative in the nitrate therapy uh, thank you so much and, Chandra, and uh, one Sorry. more uh, uh, question to the audience is the when i when we talk okay. about the nitrate intolerance nitrate tolerance the tachyphylaxis, the, the pentaerythrityl tetranitrate, uh, which is uh, uh, being practiced somewhere, but uh, whether it is it available in India or uh, anywhere, why this is not being promoted anywhere uh, in the world? Uh, because there is no nitrate tolerance. And what about uh, how to uh, tackle this nitrate tolerance uh, using antioxidants, uh, then uh, what about carbidolol, hydrolyzine, then vitamin E, vitamin C, folic acid, the NICTL, cysteine, which are uh, use, used along with the nitrates to uh, reduce the nitrate tolerance. Uh, these are the doubts of, uh, lying with me uh, should be clarified in this August audience. So thank you one and all.
0: Thank you, Shankar, sir. We will take one more uh, opinion and then we will go to uh, our guest, uh, Dr. Bhanu Prakash, for his uh, comments on today's discussion. Dr. Praveen, Dr. Praveen Nagula, if you are hearing me, could you please unmute yourself and share your thoughts about today's discussion? And then we will go to Dr. Bhanu Prakash. Hello. Uh,
4: good evening, sir. Uh, uh, regarding this case, uh, uh, before considering uh, increasing the nitrate dosage, I would see for the compliance set. Eh? And uh, whenever, uh, if the, uh, based upon the frequency of his angina episodes, I would uh, convert into a dinitrate or mononitrate set eh? rather than just uh, going on increasing the <clears throat> 2.6 mg to 6.5 mg BD. And uh, if the patient is also taking a Along with the uh, nitrate and uh, nicorandil, there is every chance of uh, increased frequency of getting the headache, sir, because even the nicorandil will also act as a chance of headache. So you increase the dosage of nitrate as well as uh, nicorandil, 5MD, and every chance
0: having headache. some of what you said was difficult for us to hear because of uh, the audio clarity i request if you had a question just put it in the if you had a question just put it in the chat box and uh, i will read it out uh, we got we got your thought process just that when you were asking the question i think your voice got really bad at that time so yes, please, please, put your kingdom, thoughts, yes. please put your thoughts in the chat box we'll discuss it uh, along uh yes. Dr. Bhanu Prakash, sir, you have heard for the last 25 minutes, the kind of discussion that we were having. I believe a lot of questions have been built up in terms of understanding the whole idea or whole rationale of nitrates, short acting, long acting, and then sustained release long acting, and then sprays, patches, paste, infusions, and then something that Dr. Shankar mentioned, which I never had any idea, penta, erythyl, Some nitrate or something. I can't even say this. I wrote it, but I couldn't write the whole word. Uh, Sir, the floor is yours. There is a lot to discuss. If you could just unpack it for us. Bano, sir. Hello. Hello. Yeah, hello, sir. Your voice is just very faint. We can hear you, but your voice is very faint. Hello. Okay. Okay.
5: Thank you, thank you, Doctor Anoop and. Uh... I think I think you. Hello, is it audible?
0: Sir? Yes, yes, sir. You are fine now. You yes. are fine
5: now. Yeah. Okay. So first of all, uh, I would uh, wish to, uh, like to thank uh, Doctor Pranit who invited me for this um, discussion on nitrates. So first of all. Um, um, about the nitrates, uh, many, uh, uh, the discussion was going on about the nitrates and uh, what are the various, uh, there are so many preparations that are available in nitrates, as you said, sir, there are so many nitrates. First one is the glyceryl trinitrate, that is the, we also call it nitroglycerine. nitroglycerin, it's a, mostly a short acting form, okay, which is mostly used for uh, preventing the uh, sh- acute angina, acute type of angina. And then This is also available as patches, uh, transdermal patches, which can be used for uh, long-term chronic prophylaxis. Or we have sustained release tablets, um, which can also be used for long-term, like what you said, 2.6 mg. Uh, I think that is a controlled release, also called a sustained release tablets. That is also a long-term one. We also have a acutely acting nitroglycerin directly, we can give it as an IV preparation. Usually, we start it as a 20, 10 to 20 microgram per minute, and we can titrate the dose above, up to a maximum of 400 microgram per minute, which we usually use this intravenous nitroglycerin, we usually use in treatment of acute heart failure. Then we have the other two important long-acting preparations. One is the isorbide dinitrate, which if taken as sublingual, it is a short-acting one. And if it is taken as an oral tablet, it is a long-acting one. Usually, the sublingual dose is 2.5 to 10 mg, which is it should be taken every two to three hours. Or if, it is, if we want a long-term action, long-acting, then we have an oral tablet, which is usually taken three times a day or eight-hourly. The dose will be usually 5 to 40 mg. We also have a sustained release tablet of 40 mg of isosorbide dinitrate, which we usually take it as a twice daily. We also have isosorbide mononitrate, which is even more longer acting compared to isosorbide dinitrate, which is usually available as a sublingual tablet of 10 to 40 mg PD two times a day, or a single dose is also there for the isosorbid mononitrate as a single dose because it has a longer duration of action. So it can be taken as 60 mg as a single dose. is a sustained release tablet that is available. And coming to the uh, Dr. Suresh Raju's question about the nitroglycerin spray. Yes, spray is available. I have checked it. Spray is available in our country in India. It is usually as a 0.4 mg per spray, it is a, it is available as a uh, pressurized container, uh, which with one spray, we get a 0.4 mg per spray. But usually spray, it will act even more faster. I want to clarify that spray will act even more faster. Usually sublingual tablet, if you take nitroglycerin, it will act within one to three minutes, but uh, this one will act, spray will act even faster within one minute. So that is the advantage of spray usually uh, and people who don't want to take these tablets, sublingual tablets, uh, we, who are difficult, who are difficult to take, usually at the night time, you can we can prescribe this spray. So, and uh, the other doctor, I forgot his name, Doctor Pravin. I think he was mentioning about the pentaerythrityl tetranitrate. Pentaerythrityl tetranitrate is one such preparation. We are talking about the tolerance in nitrates. So this pentaerythritol tetranitrate is a nitrate which is usually devoid of this tolerance, It doesn't have any tolerance. So that is one drug. Uh, when I checked, uh, it is it is showing it is available in Indian market. This uh, pentaerythritol tetranitrate. It is available in the Indian market, uh, and uh, usually uh, what the literature says is it is, doesn't have the it is having the advantage of not having the tolerance. So these are the uh, important uh, points I want to say about the uh, various preparations of the uh, nitrates available. And yes, sir, any? Sir, uh, any uh, okay,
0: I have got a few follow up questions and then I want to clarify so that we understand what we are dealing with. So yes, sir, uh, yes, IV nitroglycerin that we are using, that's the dinitrate preparation, is that correct? Or trinitrate, sorry.
5: Yeah, the, the, the preparation what you are using is uh, uh, trinitrate, sir. It's a glyceryl trinitrate, GTN. In the, in the
0: IV form, right? No. Right. IV is no, not sublingual. Right. So what? The, the IV nitroglycerin that we use, what is that? That is glyceryl trinitrate or that is pure nitroglycerin? Like, I don't know what that is.
5: No, no, sir. Actually, uh, the glyceryl trinitrate was, uh, when it was discovered, it was discovered in 1847, almost uh, 150 years back. When it was discovered, it was discovered as a explosive actually, it is having an explosive action, but the medicinally used uh, nitroglycerine, they, they named it as uh, glyceryl trinitrate, just to distinguish between the explosive form that uh, when it was called as nitroglycerine, just to differentiate it, uh, it is called as glyceryl trinitrate. So, nitroglycerine and glyceryl trinitrate are both the same actually,
0: the reason why I asked is yes. if, let us say, I give uh, a trinitrate preparation to somebody as a tablet, sublingual.
1: Yeah.
0: And I'm guessing that sublingual has got a hundred percent bioavailability, right?
5: Yeah, almost. Yeah. Yes. Almost. Yes.
0: Sir. So, is there that the dose to dose conversion between a sublingual drug versus an IV preparation? Is it pretty much the same?
5: Even though if it is taken sublingually, I think the 100% bioavailability we cannot guarantee. Okay, Okay. Because maybe some of the drug cannot be absorbed. Even they say uh, nitrates nitrates as a group of drugs, they are uh, highly soluble drugs. They can be absorbed quite easily from the mucosal surfaces and even so uh, from the skin. That's why patches are also available in this form of um, uh, drugs. So naturally, whenever we take uh, drugs uh, sublingually, we are not sure that 100% of the drug will enter into the circulation, what we say as bioavailability. Okay. In the nitrate group, the only drug which is having uh, almost nearly equal to 100% bioavailability taken orally is isosorbide mononitrate, isosorbide 5-mononitrate we call, it, which is having 100%. But we cannot say iso- yeah, glyceryl trinitrate uh, uh, or nitroglycerine even if it is taken a sublingual, it has got a higher percentage of absorption. It can go into the blood. It bypasses the pre-systemic metabolism, what we say, first-pass metabolism. So naturally, the percentage availability in the systemic blood will be more. But it will never be 100%. And compared to the, the form of glyceryl trinitrate we give as a IV, where totally whatever the drug we are giving, we are sure that Uh, It is available 100%.
0: The reason why I ask this question is because let's take, for example, a spray that we are using, which is 0.4 milligrams. Yes. That is 400 micrograms of glycerol trinitrate. Right. So when we are giving IV drug, we are giving, let's say, 20, 50, 100 micrograms per minute. Yes. So I'm guessing when we are giving one spray of 400 micrograms nitroglycerin, Even if even if it has got a bioavailability of 50%, that means we are giving them 200 micrograms bolus of nitroglycerin. Is that a correct assessment? Yeah. Okay.
5: I think I think it is a correct assessment only. Okay. Like let us say 50% definitely will go, will be absorbed and going into the bloodstream.
0: Then my second question is: how does this dose conversion go from trinitrate to dinitrate to mononitrate? And and what I particularly ask is, uh, when I look at the long acting trinitrate preparation, like a GTN sorbitrate 2.6 twice daily, that's a that's the lowest dose which is available. And uh, that would be like five milligrams per day of uh, long acting preparation of trinitrate, versus when I give a dinitrate preparation, I give them lowest dose as 5 milligrams three times daily, which makes it 15 milligrams. So how does this do, dose conversion between tri versus di versus mono work? If you could put some emphasis on that.
5: Yeah, so the the thing is dinitrates, uh, when, you, when you see the tri, uh, glyceryl trinitrate, the dose of a long acting trinitrate, as you told, is usually between 2.5 to 9 mg which we usually give two to four times daily. And uh, compared to this one, we have the dinitrate preparation. Uh, If you take the dinitrate preparation, uh, usually the dose will be like, if you want a long-acting dinitrate preparation, a sustained release, uh, 40 to 80 mg. Or if you want, that is two times daily, you can give 40 to higher dose, two times daily. Or if you are going with a lower dose, that is 5 to 40 mg. Three times a day should be given. Now, I uh, just want to clarify or uh, the newer research about this uh, dinitrate, sir. Uh, I have uh, gone through some expert opinion, European guidelines, where they say that this dinitrate, dinitrate preparations, they have. Uh, so, what is the dinitrate preparation usual dose you use, sir, here?
0: So our lowest dose dose that we use, and and I request my attendees to add on if if anything that I'm saying uh, is different from what you do. What we typically use is five milligrams, three times daily, that is 15 milligrams of dinitrate per day. And when we increase it, we increase at that increment. So either it is 15 milligrams per day or 30 milligrams per day or 45. I hardly went 45, I don't know if anybody in the audience have been to 45 milligrams of dinitrate per day, uh, we generally restrict ourselves to 15 or 30 milligrams dinitrate. And the reason why I'm particularly focused on this uh, regimen is because of dosing is because when I give the long acting preparation of trinitrate, then I have hardly ever increased more than 13 milligrams daily, one three, that is 6.5 twice daily So trinitrate, I rarely go beyond 13 milligrams daily. Dinitrate, I rarely go beyond 30 milligrams daily and mononitrate, some of my patients are on 240 milligrams daily of mononitrate. So what I'm trying to understand is that are these dose equivalent or I'm just over treating some patients and under treating some patients? I don't know. Sir.
5: Okay, so so actually the uh, recent research expert opinion 2016 or 17 guidelines of the european uh, guidelines I have, what i have read is uh, they have found that the low doses of iso, isosorbide dinitrate dinitrate what you are using low doses means 5 to 10 mg they are less effective they are no more effective they are saying uh, usually it is better to increase isosorbide dinitrate dose to 20 mg so that these are the i mean recent guidelines i have uh, found out and uh, uh, whether uh, these things uh, are practically mm, that's why i asked i have asked you what is the usual dose you use so i think less dose of isosorbide dinitrates now it is uh, like uh, they are less effective that's that's what they are saying and uh, i want to clarify one point sir about the difference between the trinitrate and dinitrates one important point is one practical important point is trinitrates, glycerol trinitrate, you are using, you you told you are not going beyond the maximum dose of like uh, 13, 13 mg, is that correct, sir? Yes, 13 mg. So usually this, uh, what they have found is the tolerance or what we say tachyphylaxis uh, or tolerance, uh, that is more with dinitrates and less with the nitrates. This is the recent uh, evidence which suggests that tolerance is less with trinitrate preparations. Because trinitrate preparations, they are metabolized by an enzyme called as uh, alcohol dehydrogenase 2, which is a mitochondrial enzyme. And uh, uh, related to this mitochondrial enzyme, uh, there is a less formation of superoxide and oxygen free radicals. Basically tolerance or tachyphylaxis due to nitrates, is due to increased production of superoxide ions and increased production of this uh, norepinephrine and angiotensin 2, which are vasoconstrictor substances, expansion of the uh, water, that is sodium and water content, which will again lead to increased pressure on the heart. So all this is, uh, what I am saying is glyceryl trinitrate. Trinitrate preparations, they have less chance of developing tolerance because they have less chance of developing Uh, uh, the superoxide ions or less chance of increase of the sodium and water content expanding the circulatory volume or the less chance of increasing the angiotensin 2 or any norepinephrine which are vasoconstrictor substances which are the reason for nitrate related tolerance. So one point is trinitrate preparations whatever the preparations you use trinitrate preparations have less Tolerance. That means the efficacy will remain same. Eff- loss of efficacy will be less in trinitrate preparations. Whatever the preparations you are using, the long-acting preparations. When you compare, uh, and the same thing with um, isosorbide dinitrate preparations. With uh, I want to know whether it is practically proven, sir. Have you seen any effect of uh, trinitrate preparations? The efficacy is not decreasing practically when used long term. Uh, compared to dinitrate repressions? Is it so, sir? Uh,
0: Banu, sir, I have very limited uh, years of experience, so uh, I will reserve it for some of the very senior members who are there in the group today. And in fact, I wanted to go to them to further continue the discussion and we will get back to you as more questions come. We have, we have Dr. Vijay Reddy, sir, with us. Uh, Dr. Reddy, if you could please unmute yourself and share your thoughts about this something that looks so innocent in our practice, but does seem like there is a lot of confusion regarding what are we using and what dosing are we using? Uh, Dr. Vijay, please tell us your practice pattern. What do you do in your practice? And uh, share your thoughts about today's discussion as well.
6: good sir. evening, Dr. Anup. See the case scenario here in this case is a branch vessel disease, which will be managed by only medical management, which is which includes nitrates. So there are a lot of preparations: intravenous, transdermal, sublingual, transpass, nasal, all those things. So in a case of chronic stable ischemic heart disease, these trinitrates are better drugs as. Uh, told by dr Baru prakash uh, of this um, because the incidence of tachyphylaxis or tolerance is very 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 low in case of trinitrated preparations when compared to mono or dinated preparations and uh, the dose as you said rightly 2.6 bd milligrams the eccentric dose uh, Interval between the two doses is between only seven hours, and there should be 12 hours of nitrate-free intervals to prevent this tachyphylaxis. So, one way is to maintain nitrate-free interval, eccentric dose, choose tinated preparation to avoid this tachyphylaxis. And uh, this uh, tolerance. Tolerance is very much known phenomena in in nitrates because of the so many mechanisms, this super accident, ions, um, epinephrine, angiotensin, all this, uh, they will cause the uh, various postulated mechanisms. So my preference is to go for a tri- this trinitrate preparation to avoid this, the complications. And uh, the headache is one of the, it is universal to all nitrates we cannot avoid. So my choice is to go for a trinitrates.
0: Sir, do you ever go beyond 6.4 or 6.5 twice daily regimen? Do you ever increase?
6: No, no, absolutely no.
0: Okay. Do you ever give uh, longer-acting trinitrate preparation three times daily? No, BD only. BD.
6: centric dose. Hmm.
0: Perfect. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Vijay. And we will continue our discussion. We have got Dr. Somaraju here in our group. Somaraju, sir, uh, you... You have used nitrates more than probably a lot of us combined. If you could just share your thoughts about uh, today's discussion and how do you see nitrates? What is wrong that we are doing in our practice? And uh, more words of wisdom. Somaraju sir. Yeah.
7: Uh, thank you, Anup. And uh, it was a very nice discussion. And a lot of issues are already brought out. But except I'll, I'll uh, bring out a few issues. The commonest mistake uh, we see today, where everybody calls themselves interventional cardiologists, not cardiologists, is uh, they don't even start nitrates. They have they discharge the patient uh, with a note of uh, uh, revascularization. And then not even uh, no uh, not even any other anti agent also is given. The reasons are, I don't know why. It's not uncommon, number one. Not to use nitrates is a common mistake. And secondly, when you nitrate, be aware with all other anti-anginal agents available that includes beta blockers, rhenologene, and uh, say, crondyl, and uh, calcium channel blockers, et cetera, it's unusual that a patient needs uh, nitroglycerin preparation after the acute acute event I'll come to later, but uh, uh, say, chronic uh, angina, that uh, nitrates over a period of time may even be discontinued with all those drugs available and uh, the patient is uh, 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 free from angina with all those medications available today. So, uh, and eccentric doses, I think we still stick to. And if you look at the clinical trials uh, on evidence-based on nitrates, uh, actually the evidence is very little because there are all very small number of patients studied. And then uh, controversial, c- contrary conclusions were also drawn. And uh, uh, Dr. Shankar already pointed out some of the medications which re- reduce the chance of, uh, say, uh, tolerance, etc. Uh, we should use it in ex- some of the patients who are exceptionally needing it. Then, uh, second is uh, acute coronary syndromes. Nitrates, uh, nitroglycerin, intravenous uh, has to be given, but mind you, uh, it should, again, it should not be in, uh, continued beyond 24 hours or 36 hours. There will be a tachyphylaxis, and it is well demonstrated. And also, a very high doses of nitroglycerin given is, a, is a alcoholic intoxication. Dr. Banu Prakash can highlight it. Intravenous nitroglycerin preparation contains a lot of alcohol be aware of it, change over to oral and other medications, and you should not be needing it after the first 24 to uh, 36 hours. Thank you. If there's any other question, I'll answer.
0: Sir, there is one question which I immediately have in my mind, and Santosh also asked this question. When stable ischemic heart disease patients who are angina-free, how long do you keep them on nitrates before you say, okay, now you are
7: good, go home? I'm talking about OP management. Yeah. if the uh, other anti-annual agents, uh, we do uh, uh, definitely start them on nitrate preparation uh, as a rule along with other anti-annual, because they are immediately beneficial and active. And after the first uh, week or more, generally a, a headache disappears. Uh, most of the patients, 90% of the patients. There are a few, which is already mentioned, who don't tolerate it at all and we depend upon other medications. We have a variety of other medicines, as I already pointed out, where you may not need nitrates to continue forever. And after the first few weeks or months, uh, uh, actually even patient discontinue it and we also discontinue it. But they have to be given initially. And sir, one question that
0: I asked Dr. Vijay as well, have you ever prescribed longer, longer acting version of GTN? Uh, or try nitrate, the longer version 6.4 milligrams.
7: Have you ever prescribed more than
0: 6.4 twice daily? Have you ever prescribed dosing more than that? The commonest
7: prescription I give is 2.6 milligrams, and very rarely we needed six, uh, above that. And uh, when you give uh, more than once, it is an eccentric dosage we try to give initially and try to withdraw it later as they become symptom free. And uh, mind you, again, Nitrates uh, will be of great value uh, in various preparations, whether it is long acting or uh, uh, skin uh, application, dermal, de- de- dermal application, etc. In patients who uh, have additional come. So, dual angina, namely obstructive coronary artery disease or root spasm is there, and night, uh, nighttime preparations, uh, nighttime may have to give. And also, Angina, you know, which is not related to exertion, sometimes with eccentric lesions. Uh, some of the coronaries uh, who have eccentric lesions, they require, they respond well to nitroglycerin. You have to time it well for early morning coverage as well as night coverage. And, sir, one last question
0: Do you see nitrates as an antihypertensive medication as well? Do they drop blood pressure when given in outpatient?
7: Uh, nitrogly, I almost never use. Nitrates uh, as an antihypertensive agent. And nitrates as an antihypertensive agent, uh, uh, they are not sustainable. Actually, even in coronary artery disease, just like many other drugs and many other procedures we do, nitrates were never shown to prolong survival.
0: Right. Thank you so much, sir. We really appreciate your comments. Uh, Banu, sir, coming back to you. Uh, Somaraju sir mentioned nitrates. Uh, IV nitrates have alcohol in it. I never knew that. And secondly, uh, what what are the dosing regimen IV that we can go maximum when we are treating this patient in a short run, like 24, 48 hours? Uh, what is the maximal dose that we can go? Bhanusar, sir, if you could please unmute yourself. Sorry, I muted you in the meantime. Please unmute yourself, Bhano sir. Yes.
5: Yeah. So, uh, no, about the dosing of the IV preparation, you have asked. Yeah? About the dosing of IV preparation, usually, sir, we use uh, IV preparation of nitroglycerin, that is glyceride trinitrate. we really start with a low dose, 10 to 20 micrograms per minute. And the maximum we can go is 400 micrograms. This is uh, very clear. Cannot go beyond uh, 400 micrograms per minute. That is the maximum dose you can
0: so 400 micrograms per minute you are saying right per
5: minute per minute yeah
0: oh wow that's a lot of that's a lot of nitroglycerin i don't know if uh, our colleagues uh, go up to 400 micrograms uh, uh, that much i think that uh, our routine dosing is somewhere between 2.5 to 10 at times 15 i don't think that we are going beyond that and uh, this whole deal about alcohol in the preparation do you notice uh, these patients developing
5: alcohol toxicity? Like, is Actually, there a... alcohol? Yeah, uh, alcohol. It contains thirty percent. What uh, I know is uh, the uh, each mL of this nitroglycerin IV nitroglycerin. It contains thirty uh, percent volume by volume. Oh wow! So that is a lot of alcohol, as uh, uh, Doctor sir told. Uh, um, naturally, if you give high amounts of uh, IV repressions, especially in um, acute uh, uh, cases, naturally there is a chance of alcohol intoxication 30% volume by volume. So definitely there is a chance.
0: Okay. I don't know if so. I never knew this information. This is good to know. And I, I don't know how many of the attendees today knew that IV alcohol, IV nitroglycerin has got alcohol 30% in it. I wonder people have not started drinking it yet uh, since they were drinking, since they were drinking sanitizers already. Uh, I'm I'm not surprised. Uh, I'm surprised actually that why people have not started drinking nitroglycerin yet. Uh, okay, we are reaching about eight o'clock. If anybody has got any questions or comments, uh, please either type in the chat box or you can unmute yourself. Shankar sir.
3: Uh, even a large doses of uh, nitrates uh, IV, uh, we see methemoglobinemia. Even uh, methemoglobin levels uh, little increased also. Even in, when we give uh, IV nitrates, so large doses when we give, definitely we encounter uh, methemoglobinemia. Uh, what is uh, what are your comments, uh, Doctor Bond Prakash?
5: methemoglobinemia uh, uh, what i have uh, seen i have read is uh, methemoglobinemia practically i mean um, practically whether uh, it causes any significant uh, harm or dysfunction to the patient uh, did you did anybody of you observe uh, because uh, uh, they said it is very rare uh, practically theoretically we say methemoglobinemia it causes methemoglobinemia but uh, whether it really is uh, uh, causing uh, uh, any uh, like discomfort or harm to the patient or uh, patient uh, feeling any symptoms of methemoglobinemia
0: i have never encountered any if any of my attendees have encountered please feel free to share uh, your experience <laughs> okay the session will be open for another couple of minutes if anybody has got any other questions or comments
7: dr does occur in a rare patient and you have to be watchful oh
0: wow interesting nice so i just want blue.
7: to add uh, yes it, it
5: it it is causing uh, symptoms like methemoglobinemia the treatment uh, uh, should be a uh, methylene blue right. Yeah.
0: right so methylene blue i believe a uh, few of us we got comfortable it was being used in CT surgery and very recently it has been tried in COVID cases as well. So certainly uh, there is a little bit increased comfort of using methylene blue now than what it was a few years ago. Dr. Rahul, you had something to add? You were unmuted for a brief second.
2: Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I had a few things to be asked. Uh, thing is when we use so much of NTG IV preparation in ICU, uh, concern was reflex tachycardia so i just wanted to know is there any clinical endpoint where for certain tachycardia we stop using ntg
0: okay so this will be a clinical question uh, any of my cardiology colleague uh, is welcome to unmute themselves and answer i will tell you my impression most of the time with nitroglycerin uh, i don't expect a significant uh, reflex tachycardia at least in the clinical practice that I have seen, uh, with arterial vasodilators, certainly there is significant uh, uh, sympathetic uh, uh, reflex stimulation and centrally acting medications, those all have got sympathetic stimulation, but venodilators like nitroglycerin, uh, I don't perceive as a reflexed, uh, reflex attack, particularly in ACS where it is very important uh, anyone is free, Anyone should be free uh,
4: to... Uh, reflex tachycardia in NTG occurs when there is a hypotension, the rapid drop in the blood pressure. As a reflex or protective mechanism to maintain the cardiac output, there will be a reflex tachycardia. If the blood pressure is well maintained, uh, we usually don't see the tachycardia in such patients who are on NTG infusion.
0: Right, so hypotension-induced tachycardia, That's, a, that's a, certainly that's a established subset. And uh, while I do agree that NTG may not necessarily be a good antihypertensive agent, it is commonly seen that patients who are hypertensive, particularly who are fluid overloaded, nitroglycerin does bring the blood pressure down. So maybe there is a certain subset of population who are fluid overloaded where nitroglycerin acts as an antihypertensive agent, Something uh, something like loop diuretic which by itself are not very good antihypertensive agent but but if the blood pressure is mediated by increased volume then LASIK certainly helps bring the volume down and uh, drops blood pressure that way so i believe that that subset could exist in icu and can cause problem so i will just summarize two three points and if you have any thoughts you
7: can you can uh, share or or put it uh, in the chat. No yeah, well Somebody mentioned tachycardia. Usually this happens in patients who are hypovolemic and uh, one should be careful. And secondly, be aware, we should uh, be very careful and uh, not to give nitroglycerin in patients who have inferior myocardial infarction and bradycardia particularly. They don't tolerate it well. There is a, even in chronic situation, there is one unusual syndrome called angina and patients feel, uh, worse on sitting up and uh, taking nitroglycerin. That happens with right coronary disease, even chronic sometimes. Be aware of it. Thank
0: you, sir, bringing that up. I think that is very relevant. So inferior wall MI, bradycardia, dehydration, these are very poor subset for nitroglycerin. The kind of uh, problem that I deal with. Aortic stenosis is another subset where nitroglycerin absolutely should not be used and there it can cause tachycardia. Why? Because it drops preload significantly. They do become hypovolemic and they do become hypotensive because they have a fixed obstruction. So severe aortic stenosis will cause uh, tachycardia, which is volume mediated. Uh, It acts as if the person is dehydrated.
7: I just just had hypertrophic cardiomyopathy and metrolol perhaps.
0: Absolutely. Thank you, sir. I think that pretty much uh, Completes uh, the the question that anybody may get asked. Mitral valve prolapse is a bad subset, and hypertrophic cardiomyopathy for obvious reasons is is a bad subset as well. Shankar sir, you have something. Uh, to... The
3: erectile dysfunction is uh, very much rampant, and the patients uh, they are taking Viagra, that's a sildenafil, vardenafil, tadalafil. So we should be careful when we when we are giving nitrates. So at least. Uh, patient should not take uh, 24 24 hours before uh, uh, 48 hours with the tadalafil so they should not be combined
0: shankar sir uh, i'm glad i'm glad you mentioned that uh, let me ask this question and maybe bhanu sir or anybody can answer this question so definitely try preparation and die preparation should not be given with uh, uh, these uh, sildenafil or pde 5 inhibitors but how about the long acting mononitrate preparation are these also a completely no no is it is it true that absolutely no nitrates with sildenafil is that the case bhanu sir
5: yes sir i think uh, i uh, just to summarize the contraindications were n- long acting nitrates do whatever it is, long-acting nitrates, whether it is a dinitrate, trinitrate, or a long-acting preparation of uh, um, glycerol trinitrate, uh, usually these are uh, contraindicated. Like uh, Somrajus sir told, uh, hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. One is uh, aortic stenosis, as you told. Then uh, Somraj sir told also about the right ventricular infarction where uh, nitrates should be contraindicated. Another one I want to add is about the angina due to anemia. Anemia where again nitrates are contraindicated and uh, dr somrajus sir has pointed out there is another condition called as orthostatic angina which is due to autonomic dysfunction where again nitrates are contraindicated and finally we have this uh, phosphodiesterase five inhibitors which are the drugs used in erectile dysfunction naturally these uh, these should be uh, nitrates are absolutely contraindicated because many deaths have occurred practically also whenever they use uh, because naturally erectile dysfunction, uh, there is a sexual activity where there is an emotional stress and there's high chance of uh, angina. So naturally uh, they want to use, this is a, a viable combination where, there, where we use phosphodiesterase 5 inhibitors for erectile dysfunction along with nitrates. So absolutely contraindicated uh, at least 24 hours with the short acting phosphodiesterase 5 inhibitors like sildenafil or vardenafil. but uh, tadalafil, you should be even more careful the duration between nitrates and uh, this cadelaphil, uh, which is actually longer acting, it should be 48 to 72 hours, even more than uh, we usually take precaution with uh, uh, sildenafil or vardenafil. And another new drug where nitrate should be contraindicated is a drug which increases soluble like gly- uh, um, um, uh, um, gly- um, Sorry. So, Ryosigwat, which is a drug which is used in pulmonary hypertension, which increases, uh, which again acts by increasing the, um, the same mechanism, phosphodiesterase 5 inhibitors. So, again, uh, nitrate should be contraindicated. So, these are the few points I want to add. Thanks.
0: Perfect. Thank you so much, sir. It's 8 or 10. Uh, so, we will start closing the session. I will just summarize the drug thing which I understood. And Banu, sir, please correct me if I'm wrong. This was the confusion we started with. Okay. So, nitrates are available in three forms it could be trinitrate combination, dry dinitrate, and mononitrate. And trinitrate is the shortest acting, dinitrate is the longer acting, and mononitrate is the longest acting. While these are different molecules, the tablets that you get could be an immediate release preparation or a sustained release preparation. So you can have an immediate release preparation of trinitrate and a sustained release preparation of trinitrate. Similarly, you can have an immediate release preparation of dinitrate and so on and so forth. So nitrates technically can be available in six different preparation. Those are three molecules and each of these molecules coming as a immediate release and a sustained release. And because of these different preparations, they come in different dosing regimen uh, as well. So, I believe that the whole setup is there to kind of confuse us a lot, but uh, I hope that after today's discussion, the confusion is less and we should be able to confidently prescribe whatever nitrates uh, that we are prescribing. I hope, Hanusar, that this kind of, this kind of uh, summarizes accurately the the preparations which are available. Yes,
5: sir, yes, sir. Definitely.
0: Okay, all right, it's 8.11, Pranith, your closing comments on today's discussion and what did you learn?
1: Yeah, no. Uh, that was a nice summary uh, that you made. That's what equally I wanted to tell. But uh, yes, so uh, we need to pay attention to what we are prescribing, whether that was uh, dinitrate and uh, mononitrate, etc. And equally the uh, preparation. Like the ISMO is a immediate release and injury is a longer release. So uh, accordingly, equally the frequency of prescription uh, does vary. So definitely this session highlighted the Importance of knowing what we are giving and equally be aware of uh, these uh, minor things which uh, come go a long way uh, while uh, treating our patients. Uh, the uh, highlighting about uh, various contraindication and the situations where we need to be careful. Uh, definitely yes. So it is not a drug that is for everyone, and these are few situations which need to be paid attention to. And uh, <clears throat> the the side effect uh, profile and equally the various uh, usage of other drugs also was uh, well discussed. So definitely a a good discussion where a lot of these confusions were uh, uh, well discussed and uh, we have more confidence now to prescribe nitrate uh, from this discussion. And
0: uh, I do want to add that uh, um, basically a lot of these discussions that we talked about that is uh, based upon what we do in our practice, which is uh, uh, more practical based. And uh, I hope that with this, we are able to at least gather few key components like this alcohol I never knew. So from now onwards, I will be paying attention to the alcohol toxicity in these patients. Uh, Interaction with Rio Siguard, this is something which doesn't trigger our mind that much. So that is also quite relevant in uh, today's uh, session as well. Uh, This was our first session where we talked primarily about one particular drug. And this was our test session where we wanted to see how we can do future sessions, taking one particular cardiac molecule and discussing about it. So nitrate being this time, uh, we can talk next time about uh, the class of beta blockers or the class of anticoagulants or whatnot so that we have so-called a pharmacology discussion, which is a clinical pharmacology for us. So I really uh, would be feeling great if uh, uh, my attendees can give me a little bit of feedback later on on the WhatsApp group in terms of how you think about uh, doing this uh, so-called pharmacology uh, discussion uh, so that we get the confidence to uh, include this in our future sessions. As all of you know, all of the Huddle sessions are recorded, and they do show up on YouTube and podcast with the same name as the Weekly Huddle, which you can uh, go and uh, attend attend the previous sessions uh, as well. We do have a WhatsApp group, and the invitation is there in the same invite that you got to join this one. So if you haven't joined the Huddle WhatsApp group, I request you to do so. And if you have any further thoughts, please feel free to share on that WhatsApp group so that we can continue our discussion. The whole purpose that group was created only for huddle discussion so that we can uh, be in touch with the topics that we have discussed before. I thank Dr. Prakash for his time for today's discussion. And I thank all the attendees for taking this long hour and hour and 15 minutes for today's discussion as well. Uh, we'll see you again next wednesday with our 71st se- uh, session and i'll be welcoming all of you there as well thank you all any feedback will be highly highly appreciated uh, please reach out to the whatsapp group and share your feedback over there any future topics also you can share there which we can include in our uh, future discussion like somebody mentioned non-graftable disease management how do we manage artery disease when they have uh, stenosis which is not graftable so essentially uh, re- resistant angina management i think that's a pretty good topic praveen we will certainly talk about it next time thank you all of you really appreciate good night we'll see you next wednesday thank you all